All right, welcome to Underqualified Thoughts. This is Season 3, Episode 10, and I'm joined here by Andy Sullivan, my brother-in-law. I am Caleb Youngblood, one of the hosts of this wonderful podcast. Andy, how are you doing today? Swimmingly. Every time. We have many things to talk about today, but the agenda was created by Andy, so I'm going to go ahead and let him kick it off by introducing maybe the first topic or two. I'll give you a big breakdown, and then you can roll through the topics. We have life updates. We have podcast updates, and then we have a bunch of miscellaneous questions that we've been texting each other and been like, wait, no, don't answer that. We'll just talk about it on the podcast. Which one do you want first? I'm a sequence guy, so we left off with life updates from Andy, so I think it's only right to pick back up with life updates with Andy. And the question being, Andy, how have you been? It's been a week, right, since you stopped officially working you're not officially displaced yet but because you're still an employee but you're not working anymore so how has the past week been i think technically i am officially displaced because i am still an employee but i'm not working but i don't know i don't i haven't read through the documents thoroughly yeah it's interesting we i just edited our conversation this week but we had that conversation a while ago or did we record it last week we did. Oh, okay. Never mind then. It just feels like, to your point, a lot has happened in the last week. You know, I officially stopped working. The day we recorded was my first day not working. And so it's been a full week. And as you've pointed out, which is why it's a topic, I have been busier since stopping working than I was when I was working, which I don't know what to account that to. Maybe it's like, you know, I don't come home from work and I'm tired, so I have more energy just being at home, moving from project to project and not having this big shift of commuting that takes a lot of energy out of me. But basically when we found out I was getting displaced and when it looked like there was going to be actually time for me to be off work, boy, have I turned into a stay-at-home dad and a home project aficionado. I've been doing thing after thing after thing around the house, and there's still plenty more to do. That's wonderful. I personally, I think I would hate to be called a stay-at-home dad. That would just, I can't do it. I I couldn't do it. But the only thing that resonated there was the the projects. I like projects, and so I'm I'm pleased to see things that you're doing. (laughs) Okay. Um, So in the past... What <laughs> were you going to lead into this? I was going to I was going to give the people some insight on the projects that I'm doing. Or is that where you're headed? I, I didn't want to lead into them for fear that I might accidentally roast you. Oh, don't you do it. First off, stay at home dad life. I think Caitlin and I have been talking about it. It would be really difficult if I was trying to be a stay at home dad of babies. But I think I'd be better at it as a stay at home dad of probably starting first grade. Because the, at that point, they have a sense of humor. You can interact with them more. And at that point, with our goal of homeschooling, I would just become their homeschool teacher. And so that's not something that's ideal for me, but it'd definitely be easier than being a nanny. Not easier, but more enjoyable. So I have a question. With that statement in mind, it sounds like you wouldn't mind being a stay-at-home teacher, mom, dad, person thing. Well, I would have an issue being a stay-at-home mom because I'm not that. I mean, the philosophy of staying at home. I've talked about it with Caitlin. We've both toyed with the idea. I I have a friend who I go to church with who's a stay-at-home dad, but he has a 
20 hour a week job. And so I think I would need a setup like that. I would need a role that I could do to not just be doing chores and errands and taking care of kids. And the way they have it set up is when he's doing his 20 hours a week, they have a nanny for those 20 hours. And when he's not doing his 20 hours, he's staying home, dadding, whatever it takes to keep up a home and raise a child. I'm just going to say it again. I, I could never do it. I never is a strong, I could very rarely and probably never, never do it. Think of how much time you would have for projects though. Let's say you get up at four in the morning, you you cook, you clean, you get everything done, and then boom, project after project after project. Let me me tell you the one circumstance where I might be a stay-at-home dad. It's where, God forbid, McCamey passes away, I have to take care of kids. (laughs) You had to kill off your wife to be a stay-at-home dad? And even then, it would probably be a, hey, Pam, our mother-in-law, I'm going to pay you to try to take care of these kids and I'll be, I'll be around, but I'll be working remotely, that sort of thing. I'll be around. That's, oh, that's probably about it. It's about it. I mean, seriously, I don't care how much money McKamey made, 500,000 a year, a million dollars, $10 million a year. I don't care. I don't think I would ever be a stay at home dad. I mean, even if you have a job at that point, you ba- I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to something where it's like, hey, if you have two meetings, it's like you're the one who doesn't take the meeting to take care of the kids because you would make that much more money. But we don't have to dive into this too much. We'll, we'll circle back offline during Christmas. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I would say my stipulations aren't as high as yours, but I would not. If you said you can't have another job and the entire your entire 40 plus hours a week is taking care of kids and nothing else. I don't think I would enjoy that. I think I would lose my mind a bit, but I think it is something that I would absolutely pick up if it made sense. Cause Caitlin, I think has higher earning potential than me and she enjoys her field more than I enjoy my current field. She's basically found her quote unquote dream job. I haven't found my dream job yet and, you know, still working towards that. So I have a new, I used to be all, I I used to be on the same page as you. I mean, I'm talking like last week or two. I used to be on the same page as you with some people have higher earning potentials. I've come to another place in life. I think we all have very equal earning potentials. And yes, some people happen to be more gifted intellectually or physically, you know, thinking about like sports players and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I still think, at the end of the day, we're all given the same amount of time. We all have giftings, whether or not they're as strong as each other and how we utilize those things. So we can circle back offline. I just, I don't know if it's... It sounds like it's time for you to get back on LinkedIn and start posting about this, whatever you have going on in your brain. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I'd rather keep it to those that care. Which, by the way, I almost made a post. This this will this will tie in. Yeah, this will tie into our our, maybe one of our last miscellaneous questions. But I almost made a post that was like, "Hey, um, I hope you didn't miss me," or no, more like, "I know you didn't miss me because none of you actually messaged me in the past month that I haven't been active here." Dot dot dot. I know it's not about me. 
but also it just goes to show and I'm, I'm this is like my my linkedin post it just goes to show that people on linkedin don't care about people on linkedin they care about themselves on linkedin that's what it is i would that's, say don't don't do not do not argue with that well so i got i got to tone you down you have a good core message but you're a little sharp with it well they need to be a little sharp i think you are accurate that if like i don't think you would say that about tabitha i think tabitha cares about the people that she interacts with. And I think at the end of the day, it obviously depends on what your heart is, what your motivation is for being on LinkedIn, but it's also who you have genuine connections with. I know it says that you have, you know, you have 1500 connections or whatever, but I don't know 1500 people. Mm -hmm. So if I- Maybe, Maybe I should, let me qualify in there. Sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but let me qualify. Of all the people that I did talk to on LinkedIn over the past month, it was Tabitha, just so you know. There you go. And, well, you don't count, but you. And and, and that goes to show, who are your... It says it in her tagline, I think. Finding or establishing real connections. Connect, something about it, real connections. Finding or making real connections. That's the point of life. Like, real life. Normal life. Life. So, if you if you play video games and you make real connections so that you do talk with each other while not playing video games and maybe you see each other in real life or you call the person or whatever great but the other yeah you're right 16 or 1700 other followers that i have they don't care about me and that's the that's the fact and i could have probably led by saying i hope you didn't miss me i'm sure you didn't care and that's okay or even i know you don't care about me and that's okay period that would be the intro. I feel like you, you could, your intro could be, I know you didn't notice I was gone and that's okay. More like that, making it less sharp and being like, oh, you don't care about me. Because like there are different levels of caring. Like, yes, they don't care about your whereabouts, what you're up to, what you're doing that you're not on there. But I'm sure there's a general humanity care of like something serious happened to you or whatever. But this is great. This is, we built on an outline to roughly flow through the episode and we're however many minutes in and we've talked through one of the points. Love this. Actually, we haven't even finished talking about one of the points because we were supposed to talk about my projects that you're going to roast me on. Well, technically you didn't put the projects listed in the outline, so that's your fault. Hey, you're the one who brought up roasting me for them. Whatever. I didn't, I didn't want to roast you for it because I care about you. Oh, this guy bringing it in. Come on. What I've done is I put in garage shelves, which I never showed you the finished product, but they're up there. What else have I done? I've basically done, as of right now, I've done a lot of reorganizing because once I built those garage shelves, it was moving storage that was all throughout our house to that centralized location and then reusing some of the space that I cleared out. And then I've been doing a lot of things with like food, prepping food so that we can be set up for the next couple of weeks. And I was going to mount a fan yesterday and then I realized I needed a down rod because once your ceiling gets over like eight feet, apparently you need a down rod to better circulate the air in your room or something. So a ton of projects that I'm underqualified for. Oh, I also, I told you in our move, my computer, my PC tower doesn't work anymore. So I troubleshot that yesterday. I bought a multimeter 
because Teddy told me that a multimeter is just a good tool to have. I'll have you verify that whether or not that's true. But I went through and tested the power supply, did a little paperclip test, put in a paperclip so the the power supply thought it was being run. And then I used the multimeter to test every single pin in the part that connects to the motherboard. And all of them work great. So now I have to go try and see what the issue is in my motherboard. And on top of all of that, helping and supporting Caitlin because she's the one with a full-time job right now and I have the free time to put Lily down for naps or take care of her at random parts of the day. Well, I'm proud of you for uh, going after those home projects. If anyone knew Andy previous to his homeowning, I wouldn't peg you as a homeowner project type, right? Well, I, to be fair, I started the cutting board or the butcher's block, which is yet to be finished before I owned a home. I went ahead and I'm just going to go ahead and put your, your board and your stuff showed up at the house the other day. So I'm going to go ahead and put that uh, in storage until you show up. I'll be here this, I'll be there this month. Allegedly. Okay. This guy. So the other thing I was going to say is, yes, the multimeter is one of arguably probably the best tool you could have as a homeowner. Why? Yep. I, I literally used it for this purpose and then was like, why did Teddy convince me to get this? I can't think of anything else I could use this for. Okay. So think about it from like most tools, they help you live. Sure. Okay, you get a hammer, it's for hammering something together, it makes your life better. Or you take something apart with it so you can throw it away. I don't know. It's it's to help you live. The multimeter, in some ways, most ways actually, is to keep you from dying. That's 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 generally what that tool is for. And yeah, like troubleshooting if you're an electrician, like you have it's more like you're actually using the tool for its there's a million settings on them and you can do a million things with them. But the general thing is understanding current and flow and, and things like that. And then for most homeowners, I'm, I'm using the word homeowner because the main reason homeowners ever have them is to keep themselves safe. That's really the only case. Unless they get a little more versed in electronics and understanding electricity and things, which it sounds like you are. So good job. I'm learning. It sounds like you were too qualified to talk about that. I should probably just cut that out since this show is called Underqualified Thoughts. <laughs> uh, no, I'm really not. I'm really not. So this is the car debate all over again, that you're more qualified than me, but in the large scheme of things, you're still underqualified. Yep, that's accurate. Then this will seamlessly tie in. So on top of all the home projects and helping take care of Lily and doing like cooking and other chores around the house, I'm also still in a job search and I am still editing our episodes. In case anyone didn't know, I'm now chief editor. <laughs> and it took so long i timed this it took an hour to edit the first 18 minutes of our last episode and then it took an it only took another hour to record the lot or to edit the last it was well over 20 minutes like 25 minutes hmm. because in the first 18 minutes lily and jackson which is our nanny's baby are upstairs and Every single second I'm not talking, you can hear them. And so I didn't hmm. get like super in the weeds in a moment right now where I talk and I pause and keep talking again. I didn't clear that out, but basically I had to clear out every single time where I'm listening to you because you can just hear them in the background. And so that was a project that's very interesting. Longer than expected. 
and then yeah the job process i pretty much on tuesday i think tuesday or wednesday i sat down at this desk and did not stand up out of my chair for four hours just going and doing different Hmm. job search like updating my resume putting my resume on this website you know applying for a job here using chat gpt to write a cover letter for me big big tip there (laughs) and all these kinds of things oh the job search Hmm. the job search no one likes it no one likes it maybe recruiters do but yeah none of us when I found out I was getting displaced, I didn't love my current role at Wells. But as soon as I found out I would have to do a job search again, I literally the thought that went through my head is I just want to do my job. I don't want to look for a job. Yep. Yeah, I understand. And then all the entrepreneurial LinkedIn people are like, oh, just make a job. Okay. Thanks for that. Yeah, that's a, a lot of front-loaded effort. We've seen that with trying to build this podcast speaking of which seamless transition oh that was a good transition okay guys for all the listeners i.e viewers present i regret to inform you that i will not be joining interviews anymore well anymore is a strong word but probably not for the immediate future and it's because of the first point that we would like to talk about so you kind of have a double cliffhanger there which one should we look at first let's start with the interviews by the way last episode uh while editing i noticed that you called everyone listeners and didn't correct yourself so that's a that's embarrassing for the two of us that neither of us caught that and yeah let's just start with why you won't be joining in majority of interviews going forward so and it really does tie into the first point, but I'll 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 highlight my own personal experiences first. It's certainly not because I don't care about people, but it is because I do believe I care about certain people more than I do other people. For example, my wife and my daughter will always take priority over anyone else, any person else. <laughs> Get well that. Get that. Well done. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. And then after that, I mean, obviously you have my immediate family. You got Andy and Caitlin and Ben and Pam and the rest of my family back home. And so, and then th- they take priority. And then you got your, I don't know, you, you, you have your handful of two or three friends, you know, you see on a consistent basis. You have your church responsibilities. You got your, your maybe pastors and, and elders you might spend time with in discipleship. This is just, you know, my life. Okay. Then, then you got, then you got my druggy friends. I care about them. I'm trying to witness to them in some ways and, and just encourage them. But after that, I mean, then you got your kind of professional. This is, The professional sphere kind of is, is different because, yeah, they'd probably fall somewhere between your friends and, and kind of the people that you don't like, the, the druggy friends that I have. I mean, I'm, I call them the druggy friends because they're just kind of in a hard place all the time and they're spending a ton of money on drugs. But we've got like this mixture and the, and the work people kind of fall in this area where you care about them, but we're not family. I don't believe any workplace is a family because yeah, they can fire you immediately unless they go with the common nomenclature of family is able to be divorced. So therefore they are family. If any interview process, you hear them say, we're like a family here, leave. I don't care how much money they offer you. Yeah. Or, or just say, Oh, like which family? The one that got divorced? <laughs> uh, do that. And so, uh, 
that then then there's this other people where I can like engage with the world. And when it comes to interviews, I care about these people just like I would care about a homeless person on the street. But the point is, I do care about people in the sense of general human humanity. We all need Christ, that sort of thing. But not enough to be able to sacrifice the rest of top down. If any one piece of that were to go missing, if I was to stop spending time with my wife, then I'm probably doing something else further down the chain of command there, or, or the chain of priorities. So I just don't want to sacrifice for those things, and some people have more capacity maybe. You might have more capacity to, to spend with people, or you have like different hierarchies and priorities or initiatives. Hmm. For me, just interviews on this podcast, they're great and they're good. Nothing wrong with them. Love the people on them. For me at the moment, it's just not the thing to do. Well, that was externally processing if I've ever heard it. I'm going to try and repeat this back as well as add something that I think you missed that you said was important, but maybe that's the second point that we're going to get into. It sounds like, or from my perspective, we have a pretty much a set time when we do this. We do this on Thursdays. We either do it right after work or later in the evening if right after work doesn't work. And so when we schedule interviews with people, that time isn't always going to work for them. And we're not a big enough household name yet that we can just give people times and they'll make their schedule work for us. So right now we kind of are in a stage where we are adaptable to our guests. And so I think that ties into what you were saying when you're giving the priority of people, you're willing to block out two sections of time on Thursdays. And if that doesn't work for people, then you're going to step out of that interview. The other part that I was pretty confident was a big reason is that you didn't feel that a three-person interview was something that we could do well unless we really planned it out ahead of time and structured it well. And that's not where we're at right now. And we're not even confident if that's where we want to go towards because we do like kind of the free-flowing conversations and whatever comes up, comes up. Is that right? Yeah, that's a that's a good piece. And I think this is where we would tag in one of the big pieces where we want to talk about an emphasis on good conversation rather than, what did you call it, good social media? Good social media wouldn't tell. Like, you are really, like, capturing a ton of people's audience and you're you're constantly marketing with all these high-profile, high-profile air quotes, people on LinkedIn or Instagram and things so that they would share your content, you would share their content. We're all sharing so that we're all growing and marketing for money, essentially, marketing for a product. In this case, I, I don't have... a interest in that piece i want to just have good conversations with andy my brother-in-law as we started this time last year and and document these things along the way and so that that's a big piece and that's why i saved it kind of for last just because it's it's a kind of our first point but i made it our second point so oh well we'll take it that's the free-flowing nature we want that's something that i've gone back and forth with when I wrote down rather than good social media, that's not actually what I was thinking about. Well, you did kind of point out the self-promotion part. So the self-promotion part of posting regularly, and especially for a platform like LinkedIn, you need to be engaged in the community for your voice to be amplified. And that's kind of where you were yep. touching about earlier. I think if you got people to take a step back, they would say that they care for you, but they would have to acknowledge that their actions aren't driven by care for you. Yep. What it's driven by is 
this kind of self-feeding cycle of the more I put in, the more I get out. And then it just becomes the rat race, just like you see in corporate America, just like you see in any yep. major industry where someone's trying to make it to the top. So that part is what I mean by good social media. So that's how it works on LinkedIn and on Instagram. It's just constantly being on there. It's like always having something on there. And then YouTube, there's a bit more of a, I guess, a dance, if you will, to try and appease the algorithm. Every website, every platform has an algorithm that you're trying to, to feed and understand and strike a balance of making good content, but making it palatable for that platform. But YouTube, I say it's a dance because it, it does really seem like on that platform, people can create trends or, and then it's repeated until someone creates a new trend. And I guess that's true on Instagram and other platforms, but I'm just more accustomed from spending so much time watching on YouTube versus LinkedIn. Yep. Really, you aren't really creating anything. You're just being present and being a voice in the community that people can turn to and depend on and rely on to show up regularly. They always say that comments are the valuable piece of LinkedIn. I mean, comment more than you post, comment more than you create, because that's you're creating this engagement cycle and people like when you comment and they'll maybe comment on your stuff whenever you post. Recently, someone asked me, hey, I'm, I'm about to do the job search. Like, what should I do? in order to um, make my LinkedIn, you know, the place to look at and be. And I was like, you're job searching. Don't do like I did and create a bunch of followers. Like that didn't help me with my job search at all. Don't. The whole personal branding thing, unless you're like trying to sell yourself or sell a business down the road, like it's great. But like I have follower friends or whatever you want to call them that they have like 120,000 people that follow them. They got laid off and they still don't have a job like three months later. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to buy that your followers are going to somehow magically help you get a job. Well, I would say that it has helped. Having the network doesn't mean that you get a job because there's a ton of factors. They could have had a handful of job offers that they've turned down because it's not what they look for. And I would say that I think it's too soon to say that, it doesn't work because we've only been actively engaged on LinkedIn or you've only been, you did it for about a year. I did it for far less time. And, you know, I did it in a way where I was able to quickly have my numbers catch up to yours because I kind of have that inclination towards the data analysis and research and finding out how something works so that I can do it well. But it hasn't gotten me a job yet. What it has done is it's gotten me a few people who I either have a very loose connection with from college or some other area of my career or people who I would have never met in my entire life telling me things like websites, like job boards that I could go to. And so that has been helpful. And so I agree with you that it's not one-to-one, like do not build a personal brand expecting for you to get a job, but it does have some benefits. The question is, as we've talked before, like weighing the cost of two grow and to do that like you have to commit a lot of time to it and that might not be worth it when it comes to the other priorities you have in your life and personally i was at a point where i was still posting on linkedin twice a week then i get displaced and now i'm using that time to do a job search like now that i'm doing my job search i'm not actively engaged in the linkedin community if you will which I didn't expect that to happen, but I suppose that's something that's telling that shows when it comes time to me, like putting my pedal to the floor, like trying to look for a job, 
I drop the engagement and fluff part of LinkedIn, which is building a community to get your voice out there. Yep. So to circle all the way back, the part that I said that I don't see as good social media that you tied to good social media is looking to have conversations with people other than you. Something and doing it with people who the trap of it is doing it with people solely for their numbers. Like, oh, I see that person has a big following. I'm going to target them. If I have no interest in talking to someone for any other reason that they have a big following, that's a red flag and I shouldn't have a conversation with them. Not because they're Mm -hmm. not valuable, but because I'm not valuing them. Yep. But something that I've seen online, I've mentioned them a lot on LinkedIn and probably on this podcast, Colin and Samir. And they interviewed someone named Tim Ferriss, who apparently is like the godfather of podcasts. He's, I don't know if he's one of the OGs, but he's one of the first people who blew up on audio only podcasts. This man has like a three hour long podcast and people are hooked. They love it. Hmm. Something that he talked about in the social media age is trying to differentiate the rewards Uh, So there's a reward of having like this conversation, you and I, if we have it and we don't post it, like I still got something rewarding out of that. Like I got time with you, whatever external processing, like understanding myself better, understanding you better, all of the rewards that come with having a meaningful conversation. And then there's the reward of, uh, I mentioned this and I forgot to write it on the notes. We're becoming tiny F famous because when I posted our episode yesterday, in the first 24 hours, the episode's been downloaded 18 times. What does a download even mean? I don't really know because there aren't retention metrics, but it's more than when we were posting and getting like, you know, single digit people listening within the first month. And so there's that reward of becoming more popular and not just for popularity's sake, but for the sake of turning it into a business and making it your career and all of the dopamine that's associated with doing well on social media. And so keeping those two separate is something that Tim Ferriss said is really important because then you start viewing people as a means to an end to get those artificial highs from getting more popular, making more money, and doing looking yep. better on social media. So that's something that I'm trying to think about right now when I ask people to interview. In the beginning, and still now, like, If you share it with your friends and family and people you really care about, like that is awesome. I'm really thankful for that. But an additional factor that I'm trying to have in a healthy dose is understanding if you have a footprint online and you share it with them and they like us, they might keep listening to our things. And that's the first metric of success for me. Well, I don't know if it's the first metric, but a big hurdle will be if someday we find out that someone is listening to us who has never interacted with us in person or online. I feel like that's like the first like wave of like, oh, we're actually, we actually have a show versus like we're just recording our thoughts and sharing it with our friends and family and loose connections. Yep. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. And I'm with you that you kind of had to reel me in when we were getting I don't know when it was. It was probably the beginning of this season when we were starting to get some traction on LinkedIn and we were starting to get more people listening Mm -hmm. to the show. I was, you and I both were big on like, all right, let's plan this out. Let's build out these templates. Let's start a social media strategy. Let's, you know, figure out all of the, the business side of things. 
And I think we were doing that too soon because my original goal was to let's just have these con- well, not the original goal, but the goal once I stopped hating doing a podcast and was like, okay, let's do this. This is actually fun. The goal was to build it as slowly as possible so that it's sustainable and we're not running this rat race where we get burned out. Kind of like we've already talked about with social media. And I think you have a lower tolerance for that than me. So before we even got to that point, you were already like, what are we doing? Like we're just recording for the sake of recording and making posts for the sake of having a post to go up that day. And yep. you, I don't know if you did this on purpose and I'll stop rambling and let you jump in to ask if you did this on purpose, but if we got really good at social media, this podcast could blow up and then the podcast could turn into a podcast about nothing. And we're just like jabbering for the sake of jabbering. But you said you wanted to focus on having good conversations because one, that reward is there of having good conversations Two. We want to model what it looks like to have good conversations rather than just always talking about the weather, the sporting event that just happened or any other surface level thing that doesn't go to something deeper. I think you know that if we have those conversations well, any of the rewards of this becoming a real show that becomes sustainable will follow naturally. I wouldn't say it was as strategic as that, but I mean, I definitely think it was the first part, but yeah, I just, I know that the rewards of talking to you are greater than like in a real conversation, not just one that we have to like kind of force together um, is, is always going to be better than, yeah, the forced, why are we doing this type of conversation, which is, I, I wouldn't say that we really got to there, but we, we were, we were approaching it. Like some of those episodes, it was like, I, I just, what did I get out of that? Don't really know. Um, See, that's where the selfishness comes in. Maybe, but it certainly wasn't authentic. Authentic, be yourself, uh, you know, whatever. So, I, I mean, I think this is a better track. I mean, obviously, there's. I'm I'm a believer that what we see isn't always what it is, or and and often, you know, a year from now, we could have a different perspective about this. Note that that doesn't include absolute truths, hmm. but. I, I do I do believe that, you know, we could we could do this a year from now and be on fire with it, or we could forget about it a year from now. It, it's one of those things where and, and we pick up our, our conversations and, and things different ways or methods. I think what we did and what we came to, even though it wasn't super strategic on your end, I think what we came up with is something that we'd be willing to do for a long time. And I do agree with you that we could stop recording this time next year. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. At this point, the last couple of episodes have us been just doing life updates. And it seems to be sticking with people. People are, we have more downloads on this episode in a day than we did on the two previous episodes where we kind of had topic-based discussions. And so people are in whether we know them closely or not, it seems like people are invested in our story of like what's going on, the whole trying to feel comfortable being underqualified in our careers and in our family lives. That's sticking home and resonating with people. And people are especially resonating with the fact that we're two guys having meaningful conversations because that's not something that's... It's not the norm. A lot of people feel like is an option. And yeah, it's definitely not the norm. And so I feel like, again, everything can change. What happens when we have a second kid and we have even less free time? But the 
nature of these conversations are so laid back and that it's just turning on a microphone and talking about our life that feels far more sustainable yep. than ramping it up to make weekly episodes, even though ramping it up to make weekly episodes might be something we try in the future. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, I, coming into this conversation, like I didn't, I didn't think, Oh, what am I going to say today? We just, we already have our life. Like that's what we have to talk about. And Again, the norm of men, especially, is the idea that, oh, well, yeah, we talk about sports or... Our projects. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But most most guys don't really have projects. Have you noticed? Like, most guys our age, they kind of just play video games and play sports and watch TV. Maybe I'm, I don't know the right guys, but... Yeah, that could be anecdotal. It's definitely based off interests and hobbies. Because I noticed when we come up to Salisbury, the first thing that you're talking to Ben, our father-in-law about, or Andy, our I guess our uncle-in-law, whatever, Caitlin and McKamey's uncle, you're constantly like picking their brain about not like deep matters, but you're talking about the mower or your lawn or a project yeah. or something. And so nothing's wrong with those conversations. What's wrong is when... Or wrong is a strong word, but what's not helpful is when that is you stay at the surface level and you don't dive deeper in relationship with these people. See, that's where that's where I would say, I mean, if you're going to put this on levels, there's this not real life thing that most men and I'm going to men as in I'm actually going for the gender of male men. I don't mean mankind. With men, where with Ben and I and Andy, we all love outdoors. We love working on things. We love projects. That is the thing. But with other guys my age, they're not interested in talking to someone 30 years older than them. They're not. They're interested in talking to people their age that are doing things that they just love because they happen to be amused by it it's not to bring order or purpose to the world it's they're amused by it well you could be giving the older generation some more credit they could just be amused by the things outdoors but i would posit or i guess the question i need to ask is mm. are you're different than most i'll throw you i'll throw you above the pack with that would you be inclined to have a conversation with an older generation if they don't share interests with you? So the the problem is I naturally find it pretty easy to talk with anyone about any topic. So if, say, some old guy plays video games and I don't, and that's like just something that this old guy that wants, he wants to talk about video games, I will share that interest with him even if I don't do the interest. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's why I said you're different than the rest. You are a chameleon. When it comes to conversations, you'll talk about anything for any amount of time, but the question is whether or not you enjoyed that or it was something that... Will you... I return to it? Yeah. Will I go back to it? I mean, I might make fun of them when they leave. I mean, yesterday... Yeah, work on that. <laughs> work on cutting that out. <laughs> yesterday, we had someone come over and they were driving a $120,000 car. I looked it up. And this person was all about their wealth and you know individuality and I look at this. And I was entertaining the conversation, pleasant as can be, 
But when they left, I was like, there's no substance there. That's what I'm talking about. And this person is like 65. So I, I'm looking for substance in conversations when I know that I can talk with certain people about things that are of, of substance or that can lead to substance. It's great. The other day, I was talking to Ben about, okay, so get this. I, I, I accidentally roasted him on a project he did. It was terrifying. I didn't mean to, but I did. <laughs> You know that big RV shed that he has? Yeah. In the back, in the backpack. It's out of wood and there's a metal roof. It's old school. He was pointing out the buildings and I always heckle him for having so many buildings, respectfully. Oh, I heckle him and Pam for that too. Yeah, I, I just said, hey, you're, that building over there that you built looks so much better. I was just like, it looks so much better. That that thing over there, I need to tear that down. And um, we kept going, kept going, kept going. And we were at the other side of the farm looking at a sawmill. And I was like, wow, look at that sawmill. That's so cool. And uh, I was like, wow, let's look at these beams. And he was like, yeah, you see these beams? When I was your age at like 24, 25, my dad and I built that shop that you hate. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, my. Oh. <laughs> so, like, there's there, there are things that are. I just don't value them as much because I don't understand the work that was put into Ben getting on the top of a 20-foot beam, cutting it with a chainsaw, putting the roof on top. I wasn't there for it. I don't, I've don't. i never been there for that. But I'm admiring all this, this heavy labor work stuff that is there, and, and I'm trying to get into it. And so there are pl- points and obvious points where I, like, I'm always put in my place about those types of things. But that's... That's where you take a a topic that we were just jabbering to jabber about buildings and, and whatnot, and Ben took it to a real level of, oh, you see the stuff that you care about? Like, we did that. You know what I mean? Um, that's where it is very meaningful. What you didn't see because it's not apparent is the emotional value that's associated with that building. If... Yeah, just anything that, that that's how sentimental value works. Like anything that's like crappy or rinky dink, like the that bike that we made, like I, I might end up getting rid of the underqualified thoughts bike if we actually stop doing this because right now it serves me no purpose other than that's like the first DIY project I did by myself. And so that has like meaning in the sense of like, this is the beginning of anything else that can come after it. Same thing with that butcher's block. If that butcher's block ends up being like, terrible and i want to do something different like it has the sentimental value that we like worked on it together that's not going to be bad that that's going to be good that's going to have to be good i'm just going to say that right now but that's the point of and i I think i would give you i give you credit that there's is more likely to have value when you're building something rather than just entertaining yourself with someone but i would just just give you a little bit of a nudge I might lo- I love talking about sports with my dad because I have all of these childhood memories of going to sporting events with my dad. Yeah. And same thing with, you know, it's less likely with video games, but you know, you remember all the fun times that you had over at your friend's house playing games, so you keep up with that friend and keep playing games with them. And so of course there are in anything, whether it be wood projects, sporting events, or video games, there is a path in every single conversation to take it below the surface level. And there's an opportunity there and it is not our default by going with man as in mankind. It's not, I don't think it's mankind's default to, or at least this generation, this century's default to 
take it below the surface level. Like there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of self-centeredness in the world. It's okay, cool. I know that about you moving on versus when Ben said that thing, you can easily just say, or maybe not easily because you just roasted it, but you could, you know, (laughs) swallow that and say, tell me more about that. What other projects did you do with your dad? Mm -hmm. What am I looking at right now that I, I can see your dad in that you see every single time because, you know, his dad's passed away however long ago. And these things are a symbol of him and his dad's relationship. Well, and we were, I don't want to defend myself too much, but he, he, he had already talked through the whole, I mean, you should ask him about the ham, ham, just ask him about the ham. All right. I'll ask him about the ham. The ham shed. We'll call it that. Okay. I don't know what that's called. We might have missed the opportunity to transition into this. Point is, it's easier to connect with people when you have interests in common, but just because you don't have interests in common with people doesn't mean you should connect, should not connect with them. Moving on. When you were talking about the person with the $120,000 car, it feels like it perfectly segued into our miscellaneous questions that we can wrap up the show with. So do you want to go with the question that you saw on LinkedIn or the question that I had that was inspired by that on LinkedIn first? Just inspired. Inspired's fine. All right. I wrote this question twice because when I asked it to Caitlin and our nanny, apparently they didn't see it as whatever. We'll get into it and I'll explain. So the first thing... The initial question I asked them was, what luxury service would you pay for if money wasn't an issue? So I'll leave that question for you. I mean, I really didn't think about it too much because technically we already have a lot of luxury service that we'd pay for. Spotify, right? Okay. I said money isn't an issue, so think big oh it's just oh well i'd I'd have a membership at a a golf course like a really expensive that's a luxury service and that's what i would do like it'd be three or four hundred dollars a month now the question on top of that i phrased it a different way to them and they said oh well that's a completely different question and i was like what no it's not but i'll phrase it to you and see if it gives you a different answer what luxury service would you get for free if your lifestyle didn't change. So your current lifestyle stays exactly the same. What is a luxury service that you would want? Uh, I don't know. Probably. It can be the same answer. But my lifestyle didn't change. The only thing that would change about your lifestyle is that service. Like you oh. still have a job. You still have to go to work. But it just so a- happens that I have 400 extra dollars to spend on that. Someone will write a bl- Someone who you've never met. And you will never know, okay. we'll write a blank check and you will have this service for the rest of your life. There's a pretty high probability it'd be the same thing. Thank you. There's an even higher probability. What? I said thank you, but go on. I mean, there there is a probability that it's put that money into something I'm working on. So every month, if I knew that I got $400, like nope. I could build a business super fast nope. that way. Has to be a service. I said service. Oh, I mean, like, $400, like, I'm sure there's a service out there that will ship you wood every month. Think of, like, a a package of kind of miscellaneous assorted hardwood, and, like, you have unlimited supply of building materials for the rest of your life. That's not a service. That's a good. You're getting a good from it. It has to be a service. Oh, like a literal service. Yeah, no, I mean, it'd probably be the golf course. I mean... 
I, I can't think of, I mean, I really can't think of anything. I mean, I'm not into video game sports, any sort of, no, yeah, like it's, this is, this is interesting. Well, so I'll just clarify because I probably didn't make it clear. The first question, like I said, I asked was, if money was an issue, what would you get? And Caitlin said, a massage every single week. But then when I said, because I felt like the implication was if money wasn't an issue, you're just thinking like, I'm rich. I'm I'm filthy rich. So you're not thinking about things of someone to come clean. Normal. For, yeah. Like normal everyday. Like, oh, it would make my life easier if someone cleaned for me every week. And so when I said it, when I made the clarification of if your lifestyle doesn't change, they then had a different answer, which I was shocked by. I was like, because my answer would be the same. And it would be, I would get a professional in-home chef a thousand times hmm. over. Interesting. Well, I mean, it makes sense. It is very service oriented and it's, yeah, that'd be nice. But yeah, I mean, it, for me, it'd... so their answer has changed. Yeah, Caitlin's was one of them. I think when it was like money is no issue. So she thinks like lavishly was when she said massage, you know, once a week. And then when I said your current lifestyle doesn't change, she said someone to come and do deep cleaning of our house once a week. Like not the general like Mm. tidying up of like picking up toys and, you know, whatever clutter around the house, but like the deep cleaning, the, the mopping, the, the sanitizing, the wiping down mirrors, windows, all those things. What's funny is that she didn't, as soon as I said that question to her, she's like, well, I know which one yours isn't, and it's a chef. And I was like, it's literally, that's exactly what I want. And she was like, but you love to cook so much. (laughs) And I do. I think I would get a professional chef for weekdays, like five days a week, and then on the weekend I would still Mm -hmm. cook. I see it as I'd be able to learn so much. I'm so interested in learning on making about making food better that I would love to have a chef who I could just like pick his brain or her brain and just like understand like what they're doing, what they're thinking of and like learn like tips and tricks from them. And then obviously the biggest benefit, if I had a chef expectation setting, you're doing all the grocery shopping and you're doing all of the cleaning up after cooking as well as the cooking itself. And so I think it would be fun because it's something I'm already passionate about, but it does in the day-to-day life of like having a full-time job and having a family, like it gets harder and harder to like cook really nice meals. And so to have someone do that would be awesome. Well, if you're uh, viewing this right now, if you're a viewer, think about it yourself and let us know by sending us an email at underqualifiedthoughts at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram at underqualified thoughts or LinkedIn at underqualified thoughts. Although you're more likely to find Andy there. Yeah. Whenever, uh, whenever you guys, if you ever get an email from us that says we just know it's me, that's been something yep. that's been hard when I've been trying to set up these interviews. I keep using the brand voice of we, and then I'm like, I don't, I need people to know that it's just going to be me there. And so like, I just let the conversation develop. And then I say, by the way, Andy will be the only one joining for this episode. The good news is that might be the first episode I actually listened to. There you go. Yeah, I have, I'm recording with someone Saturday night and I will be, I'm setting up one for January. We don't have a definitive date yet. So I guess it still could fall through, but last question, which is what inspired the luxury question. If you could get 30 grand or, and never post on LinkedIn again, would you do it? Yep. Same. Easy. That's why. I would, when you were like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm like, come on, that's an obvious answer. Even for me, just take that 30 grand and start a business or 
pour it into whatever you want to pour it into. Yeah, the problem is that previously this year you you were a little more on LinkedIn, a little more aggressive with it, and I wouldn't know. Would you still say the same two or three months ago? I think I would because the main reason I was on LinkedIn, the two reasons, the personal one was it helped me, it helps me to write. And so I liked having a platform where I could write, share my thoughts and externally process what's going on in my life, share that with others in case that helps them. And then another large reason was to promote underqualified thoughts. And so I'm just thinking if I had 30K, there's an infinite number of ways to promote a podcast. I don't have to do it on LinkedIn. If you said no social media whatsoever, it'd be an interesting, that'd be a tougher question. But if it was just take out LinkedIn, then yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, LinkedIn is tough place sometimes, tough place. It's Oh, well, some people do good there, though. Some people do good. I think, yeah, it's just really hard to foster genuine community online. And I don't know what the pillars of LinkedIn are. Like, I don't know their mission statement and motto. But it seems like based mm-hmm. off how they set up their algorithm, they are trying to help build community. It's just it's just not easy because human beings are self-focused and yep. we are looking out for ourselves. And while there is like redeeming qualities in all of us, some more than others, it is very easy to learn how to game the system. And I mean, that's why scams exist is the scams are gaming the system. I'm not saying being on LinkedIn is a scam, but. I mean, there's people that are on there that definitely just play the game. For sure. And so that's what, yeah, it's too much to call it a scam, but it's definitely not genuine community building. Yep. That's one where I feel like the rewards have been blended or very close to each other. Like you see interacting with people as a way to get the reward you're more interested in, which isn't interacting with people. 